This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. It is a pleasure to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible. We do appreciate those of you that are watching today. We want you to stay tuned today as we read an Old Testament passage of Scripture and we're going to be discussing from that scripture the theme, Beauty for Ashes. On getting to know your Bible, we offer a free Bible correspondence course. And may I emphasize that it is free. We'd like for you to have this Bible course. And in order that you might know more about the course, that you might know how to receive it, let's pause for just a moment. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible Correspondence course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama, 36580, or call toll-free 1-877-711-5211. Isaiah the prophet is known as being a messianic prophet, simply meaning that he prophesied about the coming of Jesus. There are so many things in the book of Isaiah that point to the Lord Jesus Christ. One of those prophecies is found in the 61st chapter of Isaiah. And permit me now to read the first three verses. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. That's reading from Isaiah chapter 61, the first three verses. In Luke, the fourth chapter, Jesus applied that prophecy to himself. In Luke chapter 4, Jesus was at the uh, synagogue on the Sabbath day, verse 16. And the Bible says in verse 16 that he stood up to read. He was handed the book of the prophecy of Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, and this is in verse 18 and 19, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, 
to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Now verse 20, then he closed the book, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And this is what Jesus said. Today, the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So this prophecy from Isaiah chapter 61 was applied to Jesus by himself. And Jesus Christ is talking about what his mission would be. And Jesus Christ was going to give, if you'll notice in the text, beauty for ashes. In time of mourning, the Jews would adorn themselves with sackcloth and ashes. But Isaiah predicted that the nature of Jesus' work would not to give them reason to mourn, but he would turn their time of mourning into a time of joy. And in the place of the ashes, he would give them beauty. He would take something that had been marred, something that had been almost destroyed, and he would turn that into something that was very beautiful in his sight. I want you to think with me about how the Lord today gives beauty for ashes. He gives the beauty of forgiveness for the ashes of guilt. Now all are guilty because of their sins. There may be someone somewhere that thinks they've never sinned, but the fact is all have sinned and have come short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23. Romans 3.10 says, There none that doeth good, no, not one. So all of us are guilty before God. And sin carries with it a great consequence. And the Bible says the wages of sin is death. Romans 6.23. That's separation from God. In John chapter 8 and verse 21, Jesus said that if you die in your sins, that where I am, well, you can't come there. I think we're intelligent people. I believe we understand what Jesus is saying. There's a tremendous consequence. And the Lord wants to take away the ashes of our guilt, and he wants to forgive us. He wants to bestow upon us the beauty of the forgiveness of our sins. And frankly, I can't think of anything better than that, can you? Our God has always been a God of forgiveness. That is, when we would repent, he would forgive. Listen to Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 18. Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. You see, in the Old Testament, 
God was willing to forgive his people who had broken his heart. That's the nature of God. The nature of God is to forgive. In Jeremiah 31 and verse 34, in Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 12, which is a quotation from Jeremiah chapter 1, the Lord said, I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. So you see, God wants to forgive sin. He would have all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 4. And some people think that God would want all people to be lost. That's not true. God would have all people to come to repentance. 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9. But it was in order that we might have the forgiveness of our sins, we must become believers. We must become believers. In Acts chapter 15 and verse 9, there the Bible says, having purified their hearts by faith. Their hearts are purified by faith. And how do we receive faith? We receive faith from the Bible. Faith comes by hearing, hearing comes by the word of God. And without faith, it is impossible, impossible to please God. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 6. And then we must be willing to repent of our sins. Paul was preaching to the people of Athens and he had talked to them about the one true God. They were guilty of idolatry. And in verse 30, he said to them, the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. It is God's plan, God's desire, that all people everywhere repent of their sins. And so in order that we might have the beauty of forgiveness for the ashes of guilt, we must be willing to repent of our sins. We must also be willing to confess or acknowledge our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. In Matthew 10, 32, Jesus said, Whosoever shall confess me, confess me before men, him will I confess before my Father which is in heaven. In 1 Timothy 6, 12, Paul refers to that as the good confession. But not only must we believe and repent and confess faith in Christ, the Bible teaches that if we would have the forgiveness of our sins, uh, we must be willing to be baptized for the remission of our sins. Someone says, well, I've heard preachers say other things about that, Brother Lambert. Well, let me just read what the Bible says. And so far, you know, should not, not settle the issue. In Acts the second chapter in verse 38, Peter answered and said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so we are to 
believe and repent and confess faith in Christ, be baptized, that we might have the beauty of forgiveness for the ashes of guilt. And when God forgives our, our sins, he totally forgives our sins, completely forgives our sins. In Acts the third chapter and verse 19, the Bible says, Repent and be converted that your sins be blotted out. So when the Lord forgives our sins, he blots out those sins. Isaiah predicted that when Jesus came, he would give the beauty for ashes. He gives the beauty of forgiveness for the ashes of guilt. Furthermore, he gives the beauty of hope for the ashes of despair. Can you imagine a person that's outside Jesus Christ? A person who has not yet obtained the forgiveness of their sins. What is their condition? Well, in Ephesians, the second chapter in verse 12, Paul said that at that time they were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope, no hope, and being without God in the world. That's talking about hopelessness. That's talking about despair. And the only place where hope is found is in the Lord Jesus Christ. In 1 Peter 3.15, Peter was talking about that hope. But he said, sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Be ready always to give an answer for the hope that is in you. We ought to be able to tell others why we have that hope. Romans 12 and 12 says we're to rejoice in hope. And so Jesus Christ gives the beauty of hope for the ashes of despair. Can you imagine a person today with no hope? No hope. In my experience as a preacher of the gospel now for 50 plus years. There have been times that I've gone to the hospital, find out someone has been rushed to the hospital. I try to go see them. Maybe they're in the emergency room. And there have been times when the family would come to me and they say, Brother Lambert, the doctor said, there's not anything he can do. The doctor said there's no hope, no hope for survival. And that's some of the saddest moments that I've ever experienced in preaching the gospel. I remember one day a lady was having an open heart surgery. And while she was having that surgery, there was a, a vein that burst open. She bled to death on the operating table. And that was a sad time when I stood with that family, they, her husband, her, ch her children, and he explained to them what had happened. No hope whatsoever. Jesus Christ can give us hope for the despair that we have in our lives. He gives beauty for ashes. Furthermore, the Lord gives us the beauty of comfort, the ashes of sorrow. Now I'm speaking to some right now who are in sorrow 
You may be in sorrow because you lost a job. You may be in sorrow because you have lost your health. Maybe you're in sorrow because you've lost someone that you love. Love more than life itself. And I want you to know that our Lord is a God who gives beauty for ashes. And he can give you the beauty of comfort for the ashes of sorrow. The fact is, all of us have sorrow in life. There's not a soul watching this telecast right now. But what we at times have sorrow in our lives. In 2 Corinthians, the fifth chapter, Paul is talking about that, and he talks about what the Lord is able to do for us in spite of the sorrow that we have. He said, for, for we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Now listen to verse 2. For in this, that is in this body, we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed with our, with our habitation which is in heaven. Indeed, having been clothed, we shall be found naked. For we who are in this tent groan, being burdened, burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, that is not because I want to leave the body, but further clothed, that mortality may be swallowed up in the light. I'm going to tell you something. As long as you're in this body, you're going to groan. That is, there are going to be things that cause you to have sorrow in your life. Job said, man that is born of woman is a few days, but he's full of trouble. In Job 5 and 7, he said, man is born under trouble as the sparks fly upward. I'm not sure everything that is meant about the sparks flying upward, but I know that when you build a fire, that the sparks always go up. Perhaps you have a fireplace and you put wood in the, fi in the fireplace and you have the fire go and the sparks go up the chimney. And just as surely as the sparks go up from a fire, it's just that certain that you're going to have a certain amount of difficulty and a certain amount of sorrow in this life. But God is the one who gives us relief. That's where we get the relief. In 2 Peter, uh, Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 3, God is described like this, the God of all comfort. He's the God of all comfort. A child is out playing in the yard, and the child is running and falls down, and maybe this little boy skins his knee, and he begins to cry. Do you know who he's going to start looking for? He's going to start looking for his mother. Why? Why, he's in bad need of some comfort right now. And nobody can comfort that little boy like his mother. And we have difficulties in life. And I'm telling you, there's no one who can comfort you like our God. In Psalms, the 46th chapter and verse 1, the psalmist said, the Lord is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in time of trouble. In Psalms, the 55th chapter and verse 22, the 
Bible says to cast your burdens on the Lord, for he shall sustain you. Yes, the mission of our Lord in this world was to give beauty for ashes, to give the beauty of comfort for the ashes of sorrow. But he also is to give the beauty of the resurrection for the ashes of death. Now, death is coming. It's coming to all people because the Bible says, and it is appointed unto man once to die. I don't really know of anything you can do about that. I really don't. Wisdom cannot outsmart death or else Solomon, the world's wisest man in the Old Testament, would not have died. Strength cannot avail against the warrior called death. Or else Samson, the strong man of the Bible, would not have died. Righteousness cannot stop the onslaught of death. Or else such people as Peter and James and John and Abraham and, and the like would not have died. They were righteous people. Fact is, it's appointed unto a man once to die. You may watch your diet. You may try to exercise. You may try to eat the right kind of foods. You may try to take vitamins and all of those sorts of things to help improve your health. And, but the fact is, regardless of what we might do, someday, someday, we're going to die. The Bible says the living know that they shall die. Common sense teaches that. Some think that when you die, that that's the end of it. And, and that is such a hopeless concept of life and death. But it is our Lord who gives us the beauty of the resurrection of the body for the ashes of death. It was by man that came the resurrection of the dead. Because Jesus has been raised from the dead. We know that God can raise us from the dead. I'll show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So then when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. And it is because of Jesus Christ, because of his work, because of his resurrection, that I can have hope of life to come. Why, Lord even said himself in John the fifth chapter, the hour is coming in the which all that are in the grave shall hear his voice and shall come forth. They that have done good unto the resurrection of life, they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation.
Jesus gives beauty for ashes. He gives the beauty and will give the beauty of a glorified body for the ashes of a carnal body. In 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter, beginning in verse 35 and reading through verse 44, the Apostle Paul explains that our body is sown in weakness, but it is raised in power. And when the resurrection comes, we will have a glorified body. Someone says, well now, just what will that body look like? Well, suppose I were to tell you, I don't really know. But according to 1 John, the third chapter, verses 1 through 3, when Jesus comes and our bodies are changed, we will be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Oh, the Lord is so good. He gives us beauty, things of beauty, things that are good for, for the ashes that come into our lives. Don't you want to experience that? I'd urge you to become a Christian as we have explained by believing in Jesus and repenting of your sins, confessing faith in Christ by being baptized into Christ, and the Lord will add you to the church. May I urge you to do that just as soon as you possibly can. If you need assistance, please call. And we will get in contact with someone who will talk with you further, will assist you in your obedience to the gospel of Jesus Christ. We want you to have beauty for ashes. The time is now. The hour is late. These are difficult times in which we live. And these are times when we need the Lord more than ever before. So may I appeal to you today to give your life to him who died for you that he might give you the beauty you can have for the ashes you've experienced in your life. Now in the closing moments, may I give you a very personal invitation to visit the Church of Christ in your community. And you will find people who believe in Jesus, believe the Bible, and want to help you in every possible way. And so let me encourage you to visit the Church of Christ as soon as you possibly can. If you're not certain where it's located, contact us as many have. We'll give you that information. And please right now, pick up the telephone and call for the free Bible correspondence course that you've seen advertised on getting to know your Bible. This could be the greatest thing that you've ever done for your life. And until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you, is my prayer. Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to 
Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama 36580 or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bibles.